Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 43:18 through 44:23 called Keys to Revival. So Isaiah 43, we'll backtrack for a moment and let me remind you of verse 18, Isaiah 43, 18. God declares, do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. And that may be a word to some of you tonight. I know the Apostle Paul talked about he wasn't going to look at things behind him. He was going to look at things ahead of him. Many of us uh, sometimes struggle with looking at things behind. There's some profit in looking at things behind, especially remembering what God has saved you from. But don't spend a bunch of time lingering on past mistakes and sins because you can't do anything about it anyway. And if God has called you to amend some of those things with people or whatever, then do the best you can uh, to live at peace with all people and then move forward in your Christian walk. Behold, I will do something new. And I was just thinking of this something new here and thinking, since God is addressing Israel here, it may be, and I wonder if this has to do with the new covenant. Because look at the next phrase. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? And the NIV says, do you not perceive it? I couldn't help, and and I'm not sure if this is the the best exegesis of this uh, particular passage Uh, the direct meaning of it. But I will say this, uh, the Jews, for the most part, if you think of the blindness that has happened to Israel in part in Romans 11, especially 25 through 27, you can see that they really fail to perceive the new covenant, which is a covenant for Jew and Gentile, the church coming under one Lord, of course, that's the way it's always been, but Jew-Gentile coming together under Jesus Christ. And for the most part, the Jewish people are not embracing that covenant. So the question is asked, will you not perceive it? But it could be asked to a broader audience, that is, a people walking the streets of Corona or Norco or Riverside tonight, do they perceive their need for Jesus Christ? Do they perceive their need for the gospel? God says, I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. That speaks of God doing something miraculous with his power and presence in places unexpected. The beast of the field will glorify me, the jackals and the ostriches. I can't say that for whatever reason, (laughs) because I have given waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people, again, Israel. The people whom I form for myself, notice, will declare my praise. Now, this will really find its ultimate fulfillment in the millennium. Remember, at the end of Daniel's 70th week, the Jewish people will have their eyes open. They will look upon him whom they pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And some scholars studying the book of Daniel believe the extra time in there, at least one reference to the 30 days, could be 30 days of mourning, the Jewish nation going into mourning for failing to recognize Jesus Christ as their Messiah. God says, you are a people, 21, 
Isaiah 43, whom I formed for myself. That is also true of Gentiles. If you hold your finger in Isaiah, go to 1 Peter for a moment, all the way in the back of your New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter is addressing the church here, and he says these words. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 1 Peter 2, 9, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies or declare the praises, end of verse 9, of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's enough reason right there to praise, is it not? For you were once not a people, verse 10, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, in light of this, this is what we should do. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. Now, Peter is talking about people who are chosen by God chosen from the foundation of the world. And he's still saying that we have a battle that will continue even after we become Christians. And that is, when we allow fleshly lusts to dominate, they will wage war against our souls. And sometimes we can see how that war works. Uh, Paul described the war in Romans 7. He described it also in Galatians, where he says, the flesh wars against the spirit, the spirit flesh. The two are contrary one to another, so sometimes you don't do the things that you would wish. But he says, keep your behavior. There's something at stake here, verse 12, excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may on account of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. And that day is usually always a reference to the day of the Lord or the day of his return. So skip back to Isaiah 43. And this is the invitation that God has given to his people now. He says, I chose you. I didn't choose you because you were more numerous than any people, more godly than any people. But God decided to pour his sovereign love on the people of Israel. And because we are grafted in as the church, God decided in his sovereignty and his benevolence to pour his love upon you and me. I don't know why he did that. Because if he chose me from the foundation of the world, I didn't have a lot uh, to, uh, that would attract God to me, you know? Uh, I think Spurgeon put it well when he said, it's a good thing God chose me before I was born, because if he chose me after I was born, he never would have chose me. Uh, I think you get the point. So God has given an open invitation. He has made clear the identity of his people that they are in him. But he says this, yet, this is 43, 22, back in Isaiah, you have not called on me, O Jacob, another name for Israel, but you, would you notice, you have become weary of me, O Israel. That is a radical indictment. The NIV reads this way, yet you have not called upon me, O Jacob, you have not wearied yourselves for me, O Israel. And the same thrust is there. I don't think the NIV has come as close to the original thought, but the NIV has tried to put it in this way, your worship is really not about me, you haven't wearied yourself in worship for me. But I think the NAS and New King James and ESV are are closer to the original, and God is basically saying, you're tired of me. 
Is it possible for a person, a covenant person, to become tired of God? And I, and I wonder, well, what's behind this? We can sometimes become tired in our service. Uh, I think sometimes people who are in legalistic circles become tired of religion because religion wearies the soul. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he spoke that to a people that were under the uh, law upon law and the tradition of man, and they were under the weight of legalism so much so that they could barely, barely even move on the Sabbath day. And Jesus was in extending an invitation to a people immersed in a religious culture, but a people heavily burdened by maybe even their concept of God. There are a lot of people who have a false concept of God, what we might call a legalistic concept of God, where they may become tired. I mean, after all, if you walk into a church and people keep bagging on you about what you wear and what you eat and, you know, you're going to hell this day if you don't do this, at some point you throw up your hands and you say, I can't please this God. And I think that's a little bit of what was happening to Israel. They had a wrong notion about their worship. Their worship really became more about ritual than it did about relationship. They were bringing the offerings, at least as they were in the land of Israel. We know, remember, we're talking now, we've transitioned in the book, looking ahead to when they're in Babylonian captivity. It would not be their fault if they weren't doing the uh, sacrifices and so forth in Babylon because they had no temple. Nebuchadnezzar had ruined that and burned it. But when they were in the land, they were going through the worship. They were doing it. But God said, you do the the acts, you bring the animal, but there's no relationship there. You're just weary of the whole thing. Can you imagine, think of it this way, without the relationship, without the whole sacrificial system pointing to a deeper truth, that is Jesus Christ, imagine animal after animal after animal that you keep bringing to the priest and the blood, and if you don't see the deeper significance of it, it had to be a wearying exercise. Because it became about rules, and it became about regulations. If it's void of a relationship with God, then all it is is a religious exercise. This is always the danger of man. The book of Isaiah actually started off this way. Go way back to chapter 1. Here was the uh, rebuke of the people from God. Here's what he says. Alas, Isaiah 1, 4, sinful nation. People weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, sons who act corruptly, one for. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from Him. That is the issue. If you look at verse 10, hear the word of the Lord, 110. You rulers of Sodom, give ear to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. That's being used metaphorically for Israel. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. When you come to appear before me, who requires of you this trampling of my courts? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure. What's the issue? What's the issue? It's sin. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini-sodes A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. We have just celebrated Easter, so the first series is on the resurrection. So if something is that, that's written down reflects poorly on what is being described or what is being reported on, if that reflects poorly... That lends to its credibility. Yes. Because normally we say, well, the writers are biased. Uh, regardless, we're not just talking about the New Testament. Any writer's biased, they want to get their point of view across. But what shows their objectivity or attempt to be objective is when they include information or facts that reflect poorly on themselves or the narrative they're trying to push. Yes. And, and so let's take a step further towards that. So when the women go to the apostles who are supposed to be the brave followers of Christ, right. they say... The, the women have lost their minds, to paraphrase. They do. They're just crazy tales. They they don't believe it, which is another embarrassment yeah. because, of course, the, the documents go on to say that Christ is risen and it becomes crystal clear. But the, the way that it, this is written down, and we believe it corresponds exactly to what happened, is that they don't believe. They have no faith. To listen to the Walk in Truth mini-sodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. What's the issue? It's sin. I cannot endure iniquity in the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals. This is radical. Your appointed feasts, which God had given to them, they have become a burden to me. God is burdened by them. I am weary of bearing them. So there's a two-way weariness going on here. The people seem to be weary, and God is weary. Of what? Of mechanistic, robotic, ritualistic religion. That's what God's weary of. Because the people are weighed down with iniquity. So when they come with the sacrifice, which has the sense of the deep meaning of the blood cleansing the offerer, he comes, but he has no intention of changing. He comes with the sacrifice almost to appease God, or maybe even worse, to say, God, you owe me something after I do it the way that you called me to do it. I checked in at church, so you ought to bless me now. I showed up on this holiday. I didn't eat the, the food on that uh, day. I spent this period of time doing this religious thing or that. Now, God, you're on the hook. I think that was the people's mindset. Everything had been turned around, and God's saying, now, there's a two-way weariness here. You're weary, I'm weary. Nothing good is really coming of something that was supposed to be delightful, something that was supposed to point to Jesus Christ. And God says, you've not called upon me. The, the language is interesting because 
The idea of calling upon the Lord reminds us of Abraham when he called upon the Lord when he made an altar and sacrificed. And Abraham in Isaiah 41.8 is called the friend of God. And here's the, the main point that I got out of this. The main point is, if you go through the... Um, if you go through the motions, but you don't have the relationship, it is really, really just utterly empty. And that's really what I believe God is saying here. He's saying, you've not called upon me. That calling upon the Lord is something that has to do with personal relationship and worship. Call to me and I will answer you, Jeremiah 33, 3, and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. It is a believer that calls upon the Lord in the sense that they want a relationship. They want to spend time with the Lord. They're not calling upon the Lord just as some great candy machine in the sky where you pull the proper lever and God delivers what you want. God, uh, Christianity, is about fellowship. The gospel is about restoring a right relationship with God And so God says, in the same vein, keep that thought in your mind now. You have not brought to me the sheep of your burnt offerings, uh, maybe at least in the sense of not with the right heart, nor have you honored me with your sacrifices. I think key phrases to me, verse 23, you have not honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with offerings, nor wearied you with incense. Again, you have Uh, bought me no sweet uh, cane with money. It's not about me. Neither have you filled me, says God, with the fat of your sacrifices. Write down in your Bible, Leviticus 3, 16 and 17, which the, the fat of the sacrifices was the Lord's portion. Rather, says the Lord, in uh, same in keeping with uh, Isaiah chapter one, you have burdened me with your sins and you have wearied me with your iniquities. Now, this is kind of a neat segue because it reminds us that Jesus Christ came to bear our burdens. God is our burden bearer, but he wants to bear the burdens of a people that are willing to fall at his feet and say, Lord, you're going to have to do for me what I can't do for myself. But for Israel, I think it came more, it became more about their self-salvation. It became more about them wanting to save themselves rather than doing it God's way. And they came with their iniquities with really no intention of really truly giving them to the Lord. And so God says, I'm tired. Uh, I'm wearied. I'm burdened. There's a word play on the word burdened. If you notice in verse 23 of your Bible and verse uh, 24, the word burden is used twice. And the Hebrew word means to compel, to serve, or to make a slave of. God did not want to burden the people with worship. The commandments of our Lord are not burdensome. They are intended to set us free. And this is the language of the Exodus where the people of God under Egyptian bondage were burdened. They were excessively burdened under the weight of the making of bricks and under the taskmasters. And God, through the Exodus, through the blood of the Lamb in the Passover, set them free to worship God out in the, uh, the wilderness too, to go to the mountain of Almighty God and worship Him there. But they kind of carried that idolatry with them. God wanted to set them free from that life. But many people, after a little hardship in the wilderness, were trying to get caravans to go back to Egypt. And God wanted their pure worship. 
He wanted to set them free. And I think as Christians, we know that. But sometimes we still get caught up in the, the burdens of putting kind of false um, weights on our shoulders. But Jesus Christ, we know, came to set us free. It was Nietzsche, the famous atheist agnostic, who said, the reason I didn't become a Christian is because I saw no joy in my parents' Christian friends. No joy. You know, there's been stretches of uh, time in the church where it's been true that to walk into a church, you felt like a requirement was that you had to eat a banana upside down. We must be various people here. Well, the, you know, if you look at the festivals of Israel and the, the, um, the feasts, man, they were filled with joy. They were filled with dancing. They were filled with singing. They were filled with rejoicing in the Lord our Savior. There was even a point in the book of Nehemiah where the people were told, don't weep. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And if we take that banana thing too far, man, we're going to become Christian people who have no joy. Love and joy and peace, man, these are the things of a Christian. Why do I have joy in my heart? Because I'm forgiven. Because my sin debt is paid in full. Because when God looks at me, he sees me as righteous as his son. All the righteousness of Christ has been imputed to my account by faith. And even Abraham experienced that. Colossians 2.13 says, When you were dead... In your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with Jesus, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And when he, Jesus, had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him or through the cross. It is sweet release for the Christian. He loved us and released us from our sins in his own blood. That's Revelation 1, verse 5. And now we are a kingdom of priests to our God. And we will incredibly, according to the book of Revelation, even sit on his throne. You've been listening to Keys to Revival, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. And that's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 43, 18 through 44, 23. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our Free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to our new mini-sodes called A Step Closer. Now, our Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with pillars. With our app, you can learn more about Living Truth Christian Fellowship, the church behind Walk in Truth, where Pastor Michael serves as senior pastor. If you're local to Southern California, the app gives updates and information about upcoming Bible studies, free events, and services, both for you and your kids. If you live outside Southern California, you can still benefit from our Living Truth app. You can listen or watch Pastor Michael's previous teachings, and you can contact the church if you have any questions or comments. Download the free Living Truth app in your app store. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go. Well, when the Lord talks about doing new things, you know, maybe you are a person who just can't get past the past. Maybe you find yourself dwelling on it over and over again, and you're stuck because Either you haven't accepted the Lord's forgiveness, or maybe you can't forgive yourself. And the Lord's talking about doing new things over here, but you're still stuck over there. 
What do you do in a case like that? Well, I think you've got to deal with whatever's keeping you stuck and put it at the foot of the cross and receive Jesus' forgiveness. If you need to do something with that, make restitution, make amends, uh, put feet to it as it were, then do that and move forward. Press on in the Lord Jesus Christ because he's got new mercies for you, brethren, every single morning. Hey, I want to tell you about our podcast, our mini-sodes called A Step Closer, and we're dealing with the topic of the resurrection. And this is another layer of the ministry of Walk in Truth that we want to provide to you so you can grow deeper in your faith. We're taking a uh, maybe a more a technical, apologetic look at the resurrection with Professor Joe Kelly, good friend and elder, and I know you'll benefit from that. You can check out the podcasts. When you uh, go to walkintruth.com, you can get to uh, those podcasts on any of the big podcast platforms, which Mike Bassaro will tell you about. But uh, let people know about what you're hearing on those podcasts. Share it with a friend, and you'll uh, also get a behind-the-scenes glimpse at more of the personalities and even some of the goofiness that exists on our team, including yours truly. (laughs) Well, this is Pastor Michael. So glad you're listening to Keys to Revival. Hey, let's ask the Lord to bring revival to our hearts, to our churches, to our country. And Lord willing, we'll see you right here tomorrow. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events, too please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapters 43 and 44 called Keys to Revival. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.